Hello and welcome to a Thursday afternoon Bible study. This is Bill Allen coming to you from downtown Tyler, Texas, where it's been a little bit rainy the last day or two. We are very thankful for that, by the way. Appreciate the wonderful moisture that we get, and it's a rarity during the summer in Texas, but we're not too deep into the summer yet, so I guess it's not all that surprising. Glad you're with me today. It is Thursday, and we are continuing our study through the Daily Bible, uh, edited by F. Lagarde Smith, finding ourselves in a very important time in uh, the history of God's people. It's a very tragic time. We've looked at the United Kingdom uh, during the time of Samuel. Remember the last of the judges? We had Moses, we had the Ten Commandments and all of that. And then Joshua leads the people across the Jordan River and conquers the Promised Land. Then they divide it all up amongst the tribes and you have that scattered a very difficult time of the judges where everyone just kind of does what they think in their own heart is right. Literally says that in the book of Judges. And, um, and then they start clamoring for a king, and they go to Samuel, and God provides uh, the right man for the job, and he's humble at the beginning, but as you know, King Saul ultimately, out of pride, deliberately disobeys God, and God rejects him as king and finds a man after his own heart, and that is David, the son of Jesse, uh, the youngest of his sons, and uh, becomes the king that is not perfect, far from it, as we know from his uh, sin with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah, uh, sinning against God, against the people, against Bathsheba, against her husband. And uh, ultimately, though, in Psalms 51, he repents. In Psalm 32, he announces how wonderful it is to be forgiven. And uh, great, great Psalms there. David, before he dies, he wants to build a, a, a temple for uh, the Lord to bring the Ark of the Covenant into and to provide a, a permanent place for the Israelites to worship. And God says, no, you're not the guy, but your son is the guy. And so uh, David's son Solomon becomes the king after he dies. And uh, he establishes his kingdom, asks for wisdom, as you know, and ultimately is very blessed more than anyone else in the world in his generation, perhaps since. Um, he's very wealthy, very wise, very blessed. The nation enjoys a great time of peace, relatively speaking. But then as we're, um, we're going to see today, uh, Solomon does not act uh, favorably to the Lord uh, at the end of his life. He writes, of course, the book of Ecclesiastes, most of the Proverbs, and uh, a couple of the Psalms. But um, towards the end of, the, of his life, it, it gives way, and his son Rehoboam will become king, and that's when the kingdom will uh, divide. It's about 930 B.C. or B.C.E., whichever you like on that. So still about 930 years before the time of Jesus Christ and the New Testament days. Uh, but we know that um, uh, Israel has been... Uh, a united kingdom for quite some time, uh, for about 120 years, and now uh, the kingdom is going to uh, split. It's going to be a very, very tragic thing, and something that could very easily have been avoided. Um, but as we look at uh, this time, we start out with, um, with King Solomon, and we start out with uh, the 
the horrible things that happened towards the end of his life. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapters 11 and 12 today. 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 1 is where we start talking about uh, Solomon and uh, even though he was the wisest man who ever lived he didn't show good judgment um, at times throughout his life. So uh, chapter 11 verse 1 and begins to tell us about what brought about Solomon's downfall. King Solomon, however, 1 Kings 11.1, 1, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. He had already married Topanese, uh, the daughter of Pharaoh. Uh, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, many of those enemies of the people of God. Uh, many of those people that God had said you will not allow them to be citizens of Israel, much less marry uh, from that nation. Verse 2, they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. And that is the reason. Uh, there's nothing wrong with interracial marriage today. It is absolutely, completely appropriate if it is a, a marriage, as scripture says, in the Lord that is blessed by the Lord. But um, and in the days of the Old Testament Jews, that was just not the case. They were commanded to uh, marry within the Jewish nation. We see many times, even in the line of Christ, that did not happen. Uh, and God continued to work with them. But at the same time, that was what the law specified. And that was God's will. And that is the reason what First um, uh, Kings 11 just said. Because God knew that they would it would turn them away and they would begin to follow other gods just like in uh, joshua's day when he uh, com was commanded to utterly destroy those nations uh, in in the land of canaan because god knew that they would be a thorn in the side of the israelites and sure enough that's exactly what happened then as well nevertheless solomon held fast to them in love Verse 3, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> In fact, don't get any of us started, right? Can you imagine having that many spouses? Um, and this was the wisest man that ever lived. I'm thinking that somewhere along the way, he kind of lost uh, that good judgment God had given him. Verse 4, as Solomon grew old, his, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Again, David not sinless by any stretch of the imagination, but his heart was turned towards God. And I think King Saul, when he first began, and King Solomon, when he first began, were their hearts were towards God, but then I think their uh, they lost that uh, desire to please God and to be obedient to him. Verse 5, Solomon followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, 1 Kings 11, 7, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and 
And for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites, he did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. I'm beginning a series of lessons this Sunday on the Ten Commandments, calling it the Ten Questions. And we start with a bit of an overview uh, this week. And then the next week, it's, you will have no other gods before me. Uh, we are to put God first. He is to be our number one and the only one that we worship. Uh, that is not what Solomon decided to do. Uh, verse 9, the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, uh, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, verse 11, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. What a great blessing it was to King David and, and what a, a, a close relationship David had with, with God. Even though he had sinned greatly, he had turned his heart back to God and had repented. And God had not taken his spirit from him just as David had prayed and had restored in him a clean heart just as David had prayed. Solomon never had that kind of penitent heart. Uh, verse 13, Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him this son of Solomon, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David my servant and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Remember, uh, David chose the city of Jerusalem to be the capital, to be the place where he would build his, his uh, palace and where ultimately the temple of the Lord would be built. And so God continued to hold steadfastly to that relationship and those, those promises which the Israelites would forfeit because of their disobedience to God. Uh, we continue reading in verse 14, and this is another um, account of, this is an account of the enemies that Solomon had that God brought his way that made his, um, his kingdom difficult and his reign very difficult because of his sin. And then we skip down to verse 26 and we begin to read about one of those in particular. 1 Kings 11:26. Also Jeroboam, son of Nebat, rebelled against the king. He was one of Solomon's officials, an Ephraimite from Zeradah, which means he was a descendant of Joseph, and his, uh, of uh, uh, Joshua rather, an, well actually of Joseph and Joshua, an Ephraimite from Zerida, and his mother was a widow named Zeruah. Verse 27, here is the account of how he rebelled against the king. Solomon had built the terraces and had filled in the gap in the wall of the city of David, his father. Now Jeroboam was a man of standing, and when Solomon saw how well the young man did his work, he put him in charge of the whole labor force of the tribes of Joseph, the descendants of Joseph, of course, the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. Verse 29, about that time Jeroboam was going out of Jerusalem, and Ahijah, the prophet of Shiloh, met him on the way wearing a new cloak. The two of them were alone out in the country, the prophet and Jeroboam. And the prophet Ahijah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing and tore it into twelve pieces. Then he said to Jeroboam, Take ten pieces for yourself. For this is what the Lord, of God, the God of Israel, says, See, I am going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you 
ten tribes. But for the sake of my servant David in the city of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, he will have one tribe, actually two, Judah and Benjamin, but primarily Judah. Verse 33, I will do this because they have forsaken me and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Molech, the god of the Ammonites, and have not walked in obedience to me, nor done what is right in my eyes, nor kept my decrees and laws, as David, Solomon's father, did. Verse 34, But I will not take the whole kingdom out of Solomon's hand. I have made him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David my servant, whom I chose, and who obeyed my commands and decrees. I will take the kingdom from his son's hands and give you ten tribes. You see, at this time, um, King Solomon is still alive. Verse 36, I will give one tribe to his son, so that David my servant may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I chose to put my name. However, as for you, talking to Jeroboam, I will take you, and you will rule over all that your heart desires. You will be king over Israel. If you do whatever I command you and walk in obedience to me and do what is right in my eyes by obeying my decrees and commands, as David my servant did, I will be with you. I will build you a dynasty as enduring as the one I built for David and will give Israel to you. I will humble David's descendants because of this, but not forever. Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam fled to Egypt to Shishak the king and stayed there until Solomon's death. And then the next few verses, we read about that death of Solomon. He rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David, his father, and Rehoboam, his son, succeeded him as king. Rehoboam, not Jeroboam. We've just been reading about Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, from the tribe of, of Ephraim. Uh, and, uh, of course, King David of the tribe of Judah and Solomon and now Rehoboam also descended from Judah. It's an amazing thing that before Solomon even dies, God knows what the future is. And so he sends his prophet Ahijah to go to Jeroboam and promises him through that image of the brand new cloak torn into 12 pieces. And he hands 10 of them to Jeroboam and he keeps two of them. And he says, By the, because of the word of the Lord and the sinfulness of King Solomon and the Israelites, uh, God is going to tear ten tribes away and give them to you. And you'll reign over all your heart desires. And it's interesting that God tells Jeroboam through the prophet, if you will just serve me and follow me, you will have a kingdom and a dynasty and descendants as enduring as King David did. Same kind of promise. And I believe that if Jeroboam had been a good king and had become a man after God's own heart, that's exactly what would have happened. God doesn't make things happen that involve people's eternal decisions. He allows us to make up our minds. And he knew how David would choose. And he also knew how uh, Rehoboam would choose. And we'll read in just a minute. And he knew how Jeroboam would choose. So because of that, he knows these things ahead of time. And he acts accordingly. And if Jeroboam had just been faithful, God would have given him a kingdom that would last forever. Unfortunately, that just did not happen. Well, in chapter uh, 12, we read the first part of Rehoboam, the king of Israel, at the time anyway, uh, as he begins uh, his reign. And uh, he has this horrible experience in 1 Kings 12, terrible judgment, very selfish 
um, a very proud and prideful. And 1 Kings 12 describes that Rehoboam, all the people come to him, including Jeroboam, now that Solomon has died. Uh, and, and they go to him and they say, hey man, what kind of king are you going to be? Are you going to be faithful and right and, uh, and, and, and encourage us to be good citizens of the kingdom, good servants of the king? Because if you will do those things, we'll serve you forever. But if, if not, then we will rebel. And so King Rehoboam says, okay, just give me a few days to think it over. So he goes to the elders of the land, the elders of the Israelites, and he asks them, these older, wiser men, what, 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 should, what do you think I should do? And they say, you know, if you, will, if you will treat them justly, if you will be a good king, these, these people will follow you forever. Um, and then he says, okay, okay, I'll think about it. And then he goes to his young friends. Uh, we used to have a term, the young bucks of the brotherhood. <laughs> Back when I was a young buck of the brotherhood. And, um, uh, and, and that's who he goes to. He goes to his young buck friends, and they tell him, hey, make their lives horrible. Rule over them with an iron fist. Uh, you know, just like uh, Solomon was mean to them in some ways, you be mean to them a thousandfold. Um, and unfortunately, Rehoboam follows the advice of his young friends. He goes back to the people and he tells them, hey, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be every bit uh, uh, tougher than my father ever thought about being. And when he goes back and he tells them all of that, this is the response in 1 Kings 12, beginning at verse 16. When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, what share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel. Look after your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. Um, and King Rehoboam rules over them until they go to their northern tribes. These are primarily the northern tribes. The two southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin stay loyal to the house of David and his line, King Rehoboam, his grandson, Solomon's son, on the throne in Jerusalem. But these other ten tribes, they go north, and they, uh, they say, yeah, yeah, what lot do we have with you, David? We don't care. Uh, if that's the way you're going to lead us, then we're going to leave. And the ten tribes to the north form the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, a separate nation. And they make Jeroboam, just as the prophet Ahijah had said, they make Jeroboam, son of Nebat, their king. And he is such an evil ruler that other rulers will be measured by how evil they are in comparison to Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Um, he makes Samaria a city in the north, ultimately a city in the northern kingdom of Israel, their capital, no longer Jerusalem. Uh, he puts uh, altars at Dan and Bethel, one city in the north, one city in the south, and puts altars there, makes golden calves and puts them there and says, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. A horrible, horrible thing. And, and he goes over, leads the people into idolatry. Uh, he forms his own priesthood. Doesn't Anybody that wants to be a priest can be a priest. They form their own festival days. You see, Jeroboam was worried. He was worried that if the people go back to Jerusalem on the appointed feast days, go to Solomon's Grand Temple and go there to worship, that they'll have that feeling of nostalgia and patriotism and how good things were and they will turn away from Jeroboam. 
And so he had those altars built in the northern kingdom of Israel at Dan and Bethel, had golden calves there, had his own priesthood, had his own festival days, and brought the people of, of the northern kingdom of Israel away from God in spite of the promise that God had made him. Look, if you'll be faithful, your line will reign forever. But unfortunately, Jeroboam refused um, to listen. And so we realize that um, both tribe, both kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel, their king Jeroboam and the, their capital Samaria and the southern kingdom of Judah, still loyal to the line of King David, King Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, and the capital city of Jerusalem where the palace was and Solomon's grand temple still was. Uh, but um, both kingdoms become evil and especially the northern kingdom of Israel. You can find a few good kings in the southern kingdom. Jehoshaphat that, that we'll read about pretty soon was pretty good. King Hezekiah, very good. King Josiah, very good. Um, but you can't find any good kings in the northern kingdom uh, of Israel. They're setting up, they've set up the false gods. Now they're going to uh, continue to be disobedient. And actually there will be a war between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah much of the time of Israel's existence. It continues going on until uh, for uh, about a hundred, about 200 years until 721 BC when the Assyrians come and lay siege to Samaria and uh, destroy the northern kingdom of Israel and take their people away into captivity and bring people back and they end up intermarrying with some of the Israelites from there and that's where we have uh, the Samaritans. Uh, that's where they come from. And in 721 BC, the great king Hezekiah is faithful. He's a descendant of King David, is faithful to the Lord. And Isaiah the prophet, Micah the prophet, they encourage him. And Jerusalem is spared, but only for a while. Uh, because in 586 BC, the city of Jerusalem also uh, will fall. This time to the Babylonians, the walls will be breached, the temple will be destroyed, and the king and the people will be carried off into exile. Uh, for now, however, we have two kingdoms where we just had one. The northern kingdom of Israel, it's King Jeroboam, son of Nebat, it's capital of Samaria, and the southern kingdom of Judah. It's King Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, grandson of King David, and um, faithful in Jerusalem, uh, where uh, Solomon's grand temple is, where the Ark of the Covenant is there's a sad commentary in some of our reading this week where scripture says that because God began to uh, allow their enemies to have their way with them, uh, King Rehoboam takes the, the gold shields that Solomon had made when the money was everywhere, gold was everywhere, and, um, uh, and, he, and he had to give them away to a king because they were being threatened and instead he made bronze shields and that's how things go uh, for Israel and for Judah as they continue on. It would be just a matter of time before both kingdoms would be defeated and the people of God would be taken into exile and it just didn't have to happen. It didn't have to happen. It happened because King Solomon became disobedient it happened because his son, King Rehoboam, was disobedient and refused to act in the will of God and the love and grace of God 
and be a good servant, a good king. Instead, he had that lust for power and control, and he ended up dividing the kingdom of Israel over it. And so as we continue reading, we'll be going back and forth between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And sometimes their stories will overlap and there'll be some common uh, times and experiences together. But for the most part, they'll be going their own way. And we're going to be reading about that starting right away. And perhaps you've already gotten there. And then we'll be looking at coming up some of those great kings, as I mentioned a couple before, and also some of the, the great prophets we're going to read about before the fall of Israel, uh, beginning with early prophets such as Elijah and Elisha and then Jonah. I hope and pray that you have a wonderful weekend, and I hope and pray that as we read these stories that we are, um, it gives us pause to remember uh, from the time of Moses that that call for obedience to God's law and the blessings that will follow and the warnings if we choose to disobey as Solomon did, as Rehoboam did, as Jeroboam did, as ultimately the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah did. If we choose to be disobedient, then we will suffer the consequences. Our God is the one true and living God, and he's not a God uh, that is to be messed with. He is a God who is to be loved and revered and obeyed. And I hope and pray that that's your commitment. As the old song says, trust and obey. As the newer song says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Taken from Matthew 6, 33. Um, and all the things that we need, we'll have. May God bless us all towards that end. I'll see you on Tuesday.